Good morning, everybody, and welcome back. Who's happy to be here? Raise your hands. Okay. Ruben, it is April 18th, 2023. This is the Ruben Report. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and locals. Share, subscribe, tap the notification bell. And we've got a post-game show over at rubenreport.locals.com. I am seriously psyched for the show today because every now and again, the media and the machine and the whole damn thing just hands me so much stuff that the show basically writes itself. We put it on paper, but it pretty much writes itself. Uh, what we're gonna be doing today is, if you have not seen any of these clips yet, uh, Elon Musk, you heard of this guy, Elon Musk? Uh, he went on Tucker Carlson. Have you heard of that guy, Tucker Carlson? He went on his show on Fox last night and they basically, started unpacking everything. I mean, really going into all of the stuff that we talk about here related to government and big tech, related to the corporate media, related to our corrupt political system and a whole bunch more. And I wanna take that, that's gonna be sort of the, the linchpin of the show. And I wanna connect that to what's going on right now politically and how we have, I really believe this guys and come along with me on this crazy adventure. We have a brief moment right now to start riding the ship. There are a couple people out there I would put Elon at the top of the list. I would put Ron DeSantis right next to him at the top of that list. There are a couple people out there who are trying to push sanity back into the system. And I think if enough of us are like, oh, yes, we remember sanity. Sanity was good. Remember before everyone was completely bananas and COVID craziness and Trump derangement syndrome and algorithmic manipulation and all that stuff. Remember what the world was like? Do you remember 1995? I actually think we can get back to that. And then, yeah, we're still going to all have these machines. There's still going to be all the devices and tech and there'll be AI and all of those things but we will remember something that we have forgotten, something that was really, really good. And I, I just think there is a little blip right now where we can grab it. So that's the theme of the show today. Uh, how not only do you have to expose it, as I often talk about, right? You have to expose the nonsense of the machine, uh, but then you have to go on offense against the machine. And there are a couple people doing it right now, but they need your help. And I literally mean you watching this, they need your help. Uh, before we get to that, let's talk about Birch Gold real quick. Uh, you know, inflation has consequences. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never been more important. The recent surge in gold prices is tied directly to extreme market volatility right now. <clears throat> this is why gold is historically a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a fantastic time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA into a 401k, uh, 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 sorry, an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Visit birchgold.com Dave to get the free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k that's tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, gold and silver. And the best part, it's tax sheltered. Visit birchgold.com Dave to claim your free info kit on gold today. They've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Visit birchgold.com Dave. And now back to me. Okay, so let's dive right into it. Elon Musk did a rather extensive interview on Fox last night with Tucker Carlson. We're gonna show you a couple different clips. Uh, there was an awful lot there. We thought these were the, the big ones to hit on. I'm gonna start the show with them and then we'll hit some again at the end. Uh, first up is uh, Tucker and Elon talking about how Mark Zuckerberg was sort of once a good lib. And I don't think I have to explain to you guys, there once were good libs, right? The classical liberal position was once a thing that was involved with say individual rights and freedom and freedom of speech and freedom of association and all of that stuff. JFK, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. The government's not the answer to everything. Those were liberal positions one day. Uh, and what Tucker is talking about here is how that was sort of 
the idea of what Zuckerberg said he was, but he in essence, unfortunately, acts as a Democrat Party operative. Why doesn't Facebook do this? I know that Zuckerberg has said, and I take him at face value, that he... <laughs> I, I, well, I do, I do actually in this way, that he is a kind of old-fashioned liberal who doesn't like to censor. He has, but he, you know... Like, why wouldn't a company like that take the stand that you have taken, which is pretty rooted in American traditional political custom, you know, for free speech? My understanding is that um, Zuckerberg spent uh, $400 million in the last election, nominally in a get-out-the-vote campaign, but really fundamentally in support of Democrats. Is that accurate or not accurate? That is accurate, yes. Does that sound unbiased to you? No, it doesn't. Yes. (laughs) Does that sound unbiased to you? Right, so he used $400 million. What he was saying is this was to get out the vote, to fortify the election, to defend democracy, make sure that people are involved. That all sounds good, but you guys know, right? Like that thin veneer, and then right beneath that, something nasty is always there. What Zuckerberg in essence did was uh, do everything he could to make sure that Democrats won. Which party is more favorable to big tech. I mean, it's very obvious it's the Democrats, not the Republicans. That doesn't mean Republicans are great. They certainly are not. We got a couple of good ones, but they are significantly as a whole, they are significantly uh, better than the Democrats. And Elon Musk, as you know, lifelong Democrat, never voted for a Republican until the midterms when he voted for Myra Flores in Texas after relocating his company, Tesla, to Texas for tax purposes. So he's had his own awakening. He's on that journey. And it seems to me that Elon Musk, when he gets to that fork in the road, can I go all the way? Can I be fully red-pilled? Can I really fight the system? He's going to pick the right choice. We know many guys, right? I talk about them all the time, who get stuck at that fork, right? They either end up going the wrong way or they just sort of seemingly end up stuck in perpetual sort of nothingness at that fork. Elon maybe has already gone down the road, which is really beautiful. But the point there is, Tucker is saying, look, Zuckerberg, he's giving him the benefit of the doubt. He says he's an old school liberal. Old school liberals used to like transparency, used to like free speech. Why wouldn't Zuckerberg do with Facebook what you have done with Twitter, right? Democratize the thing. Open source the code, which Elon did uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Tell people what's been going on there, how the government has been working with Facebook to silence people. We know that the government's been doing it. We played you the clip a million times from about a year and a half ago of Jen Psaki saying that she works, the administration actually works with Facebook to flag posts. So if the government calls you up, right, and you own a shoe shop, and they're like, uh, you know that guy who's been buying shoes for you, maybe you shouldn't let him buy shoes or let him in. Uh, You might wanna do that. You might wanna do what the government is requesting because otherwise the government can come in and shut you down. We're gonna revoke your sales license or we're gonna increase your taxes or whatever it is. So it's a real mafia move that the government was doing with Facebook. But, but in essence, Mark Zuckerberg has basically been okay with that. Uh, I'm not even on Facebook. I mean, we have a Facebook page for the show and God bless Brock, he has to be on Facebook. Are you all right? I probably don't give you enough credit around here. You know what I mean? He's, he's upset, this guy. He's on Facebook all day long. God only knows what's going on there, but you guys know how manipulated Facebook is and the crazy range of emotions that it gives you, right? There's a picture of grandma, then a terrorist explosion in the Middle East, then there's a baby picture, then, you know, this person you know died, that person is getting married. Like, the whole thing is designed to make you crazy. But in essence, what he's saying is, okay, Elon Musk is a Democrat operative, not that sort of forward-facing good liberal that he purports to be. Then he went on to talk about how uh, you've got to root out the activists at these companies when you take over. That might be why Elon, uh, why Mark Zuckerberg hasn't done anything because he's just got so many of them, but Elon clearly had no problem with it. What percentage of your staff did you fire at Twitter? One of the great business stories of the year. <laughs> I think we're about, we're about uh, 20% of uh, the original size. Uh, so 80% left. Uh, yes. So... I mean, a lot of people voluntarily. Sure, sure. But, but it's 80% are gone from the day that's, you took That's over. correct, yes. So how do you run the company with only 20% of the staff? Uh, it turns out uh, you don't need uh, all that many people to run Twitter. But 80%? That's a lot. Um, yes. Uh, over, I mean, if you're not trying to run some sort of uh, glorified activist organization, uh, 
with, with and you don't care that much about censorship, then uh, you can really let go of a lot of people, it turns out. <laughs> All right, so there's a lot to unpack here. You know, you guys know I was at Twitter about two months ago, spent some time with Elon Musk, and what's incredible about the place, you know, they've got these massive offices on multiple floors in this building in San Francisco. He's clearly in the wrong city, but okay, one thing at a time, also in the wrong state. Small steps, small steps. Uh, but, you know, they've got massive offices with huge commissaries for food and lunch rooms and video game rooms and ping pong tables and pool tables and all of these things that have nothing to do with anyone working. They've got beer on tap, all this stuff, but there's no people there. So he bought a very faulty product by his own estimation, right? He called that thing uh, a fractal Rube Goldberg machine. The code in this thing is really messed up. The government was involved in this thing. There are activists at the organization actively trying to take the company down. He bought it for a cool 45 bill, something like that, right? And then he fired or, uh, or some of them chose to leave on their own, as he said, but about 80% of the people are gone. So he bought a faulty product with a whole bunch of really bad, useless employees. Now the thing is slimmer and trimmer and working and more in line with the values that you and I share related to free speech and transparency and all that. So now I wanna lead this to the broader theme that I mentioned. Guys, I'm telling you, it is you versus the machine. And I'm in it with you, Elon's in it with you, a couple other people are in it with you. But when I talk about the machine, I'm talking about government, and tech and media. So the next thing that Elon is doing, this is just so beautiful. Remember a couple days ago, uh, we showed you that clip how uh, NPR, National Public Radio, has now been labeled state-sponsored media by Twitter. So Elon chose to do that. They do get funding from the federal government. And now NPR is so upset by this that they, they first they lost their blue check. Now they say they're not even gonna tweet. Okay, we'll, we'll miss you. That's a joke. Uh, Elon uh, is also in a fight with the New York Times. Now, the New York Times, which once was all the news that's fit to print, is probably the biggest purveyor of propaganda in all of America. That's the place where politicians, Democrats, go to leak stories, and that's where the lies get laundered, and then it gets disseminated across the internet. So here's Elon and Tucker talking about what he's doing and how he feels about the New York Times. You yeah, the New York Times of their of their badge, and then you called them diarrhea. You called them. <laughs> you did, you did. I'm just, I'm just quoting you. Yes. You described their Twitter feed as diarrhea. I, I said it was the Twitter equivalent, Twitter equivalent of diarrhea. Okay, it's not literally diarrhea, but. No, no it's a, yeah. you know, it's a metaphor. Um. <laughs> okay, so the reason that I thought that that clip, him calling it diarrhea, it's not that it's, it's so hilarious, it's that the reason that it's important is because he's treating them with the, with the lack of respect that they deserve. I think at this point where we're at right now is we have a whole bunch of politicians, even Republicans and, and right-leaning people, who still think that if you're nice enough to the New York Times, they will ever treat you fairly. They will not treat you fairly. I would say Donald Trump has a big problem here. He's always feeding the machine that will never treat him fairly. DeSantis has a different approach to this. Hey, NBC, you're gonna lie about me repeatedly. You're gonna claim I don't want students in Florida to learn about slavery or civil rights. I'm no longer gonna talk to you. You have to starve the beast. Elon, by taking this position of mockery of the New York Times, they no longer have their blue check and also, the New York Times, can someone get me the number? They have something like 76 million followers, quote unquote followers, you know, but they rarely ever get a thousand retweets. That in essence means 76 million people who follow them also ignore them. It, the numbers are absolutely impossible. Am I right? It's about 76, what is it? 55, I was off by 20, uh, but still when we're talking millions, you get the point. Uh, so this is now a, a moment where we've got a little juice, right? Because literally the world's richest man, the Renaissance man of our time, is getting into the fight. And he's not just getting into the fight because he's out there just screaming about a bunch of stuff. He's buying products that then strengthen your ability to say whatever it is you want. And that is good. And the machine ain't happy about it. I'm gonna show you a video of one of the machine's favorites, that's Justin Trudeau up in Canada. In just a second, let me talk to you about Phoenix Capital and then we'll get to it. Guys, with banks collapsing and the turbulent state of the stock market, millions of Americans have watched their retirement savings disappear. I wanna share with you a unique investment opportunity that's not only protecting retirement savings, but investors are seeing consistent yields and growth. 
Phoenix Capital Group is offering high-value U.S. oil and gas investments through their corporate bonds. It's a way for people to invest in energy assets and diversify their portfolio. Yields range from 8 to 12 APY, paid monthly with different qualifications and maturity dates. Phoenix Capital Group is a tech-led energy company owning in some of the most lucrative basins across America. Investor capital, along with their own capital, goes towards cash flow positive oil and gas projects. They had the choice of offering a significantly lower interest rate and paying the difference to middlemen, but decided to break the mold and bring stronger investments directly to investors. These 8 to 12% APY corporate bonds are higher than CDs or annuities, often more than double the typical yields. So if you're looking for an alternative investment with sizable yields and monthly payment options, I highly recommend checking out Phoenix Phoenix Capital Group's bond offerings. To learn more, uh, download their free investor guide today at phxonrubin.com, phxonrubin.com, and let you know, let them know you heard from Dave. All right, so what does the machine do when someone pushes back? Well, the machine starts freaking out. So first off, this is spectacular. Elon tweeted this. This is just great. Uh, this is the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's official Twitter account. It has now been labeled 69% labeled government-funded media. And you might be watching that, looking at that, going 69%, is a funny number. Why, why'd that happen? Uh, as Elon said, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation said they're, quote, less than 70% government-funded, so we corrected the label. The guy is not only doing the right thing, calling out government and corporate sponsored media where it should be called out. He's also having fun doing it. And there was a time, guys, for those of you that are of a certain age, there was a time when the internet was a fun place and the guy's ushering that back in. And that's how we'll win through memes and humor and all of those things. So now the CBC is labeled state propaganda in essence, right? NPR will not tweet. The New York Times doesn't have a blue check. Suddenly, the old structures, what are we always talking about here? These old institutions that are crumbling and lying to us, instead of strengthening them by giving them attention and dollars and everything else, he's actually taking their power away. You know who's upset about that? Well, you've got Justin Trudeau up in Canada. Justin Trudeau is just, he's like the worst of the worst. He's, he's basically Gavin Newsom light. And here he is whining about what that mean, mean Mr. Elon Musk did. I think it says a lot about the Conservative Party of Canada. That they're choosing to constantly attack independent media organizations journalists who are working hard to keep Canadians informed and support our democracy. CBC Radio-Canada uh, serves right across the country, delivers local news and local content in many regions of the country, that in order to attack this institution that is important for many, many Canadians, he runs to American billionaires, the tech giants that they continue to defend in committee and in their, uh, in their approach on our legislation to make tech giants pay their fair share. Conservatives are always there to defend them. So when they're trying to attack a foundational Canadian institution, the fact that he has to run to American billionaires for support to attack Canadians. All right, there, there's so much there. So first off, uh, he starts by attacking the Conservative Party of Canada, which is not in power, right? It, the Liberals are in power. He's in power, despite the fact that he got something like 33% of the vote. Uh, now, the Conservatives in Canada might be annoyed by all of this. Why would they be annoyed by the uh, CBC? Well, they might be annoyed by the CBC because it basically, just like our New York Times and MSNBC and corporate press here, is in bed with the Dems. The CBC is in bed with the liberals. Go try to find a positive article about the conservatives on the CBC or go try to find a positive article about the libertarians, which is the Freedom Party of Canada. Uh, that was my friend Maxime Bernier's party. Uh, try to find something that the CBC says nice about them. No, they do everything in coordination with his party. So he's very upset that the conservatives Conservatives, those mean conservatives, and then that billionaire in America would be pushing back against his propaganda machine because the left can't win without a propaganda machine. The ideas don't stand up 
on their own merit, right? So they need the propaganda. They need people to be confused, not understand what the issues are, be bludgeoned with lies until they basically just check out altogether. Um, so you might go, Dave, come on, you're being a little heavy handed here. Um, could it possibly be that the government of Canada that Trudeau's in charge of pays the uh, CBC so much money that they would do his bidding? Well, hot damn, we've got video of just that. Here's 2019 Justin Trudeau joking about how the Canadian government pays the CBC a cool 600 million for their fine journalism. You sometimes hear about liberal bias in the media these days, how they're constantly letting off our government, letting our government off the hook for no good reason. Frankly, I think that's insulting. It's clear that they let us off the hook for a very good reason because we paid them $600 million. It's clear that they let us off the hook for a very good reason, because we paid them $600 million. Okay, so what does this show us, guys? As he's admitting, as he's admitting what we all know, right? Again, whether it's America with our corporate media in bed with the Democrats, or whether it's Canada with the liberals in bed with the CBC, what does it show us? It shows us that a private citizen like Elon Musk, and you might be, again, you might be looking at the guy like basically he's, he's modern Iron Man. Could this even be happening? Uh, but it is happening. A guy, he doesn't have to do this. The guy could literally put his family on a rocket and go to Mars, and that would be that. He could wrap up shop on Earth. I'm sure he thinks about it every now and again. Uh, but instead, he has decided to get into the most dangerous fight that there is, the fight for freedom. The, this is the fight that humans have been in all time, right? Fighting for their individual freedom against a machine that wants to take it away from them. So a guy like Elon, who now has a private corporation in Twitter, right? It was public, he bought it, now it's private. Uh, he can use all of his skills, all of his financial resources, and all of his reach to demolish what I would say at this point is now the wicked agenda of the machine. So it doesn't matter whether the machine is public, meaning the government, or private, uh, meaning any of these corporations like Facebook, well, Facebook's a public corporation, but any of these companies that in essence are trying to squash your freedom. So the question remains, can we wield our own government power? When government is used properly, can we wield our government power to demolish the machine as well? I think we can, and you're not gonna believe it. I think it might be emanating first here in Florida, right? You don't just need a private citizen to do it. You might find a public servant who can do it as well. So now let's talk about what's going on here between DeSantis and Disney. We all know, I don't have to belabor the point, you all know what happened over the past year with uh, DeSantis going after Disney's special protections under the law. They had special tax exemptions. They had their own airport. They had all sorts of special regulations related to them. That would be, many would argue, uh, anti-constitutional in that everyone should have an equal playing field. That's what equality is all about. So Disneyland had special exemptions that for some reason SeaWorld or Gatorland didn't have. That wasn't fair. Disney decided to fight with DeSantis about some of this woke nonsense and inject all of the trans ideology and the race ideology in all of their programming. DeSantis said, okay, I'm a government, I'm, a government, I'm not a huge government, big government guy, but I will use the government in a slim trim way when effective and when appropriate. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit them. So as you know, Disney uh, lost a whole bunch of their, uh, of their exceptions. They lost a whole bunch of their tax breaks and more. And then the entire corporate press was suddenly backing a giant corporation uh, in the name of equality, something like that. It was very confusing. So get this, a couple days before these new regulations kicked in, Disney tried to pass a whole bunch of things to basically neuter what the government of Florida was going to do to Disney. And a lot of people were saying, see DeSantis lost, see DeSantis lost. So here we go. This is from The Independent on Friday. Check this out. Florida Republicans, remember this is Friday, not today. Florida Republicans will seek to void an agreement granting Disney nearly perpetual control of the land surrounding its Walt Disney World Resort, State Governor Ron DeSantis has said. When Mr. DeSantis's hand-picked appointees attempted to take control of district in March, they found that their predecessors had quietly handed their powers to Disney itself until 21 years after the death of the last surviving descendants of King Charles III of England. 
Suffice it to say, the legislature is gonna avoid anything Disney did on the way out the door, Mr. DeSantis told students at Michigan's Hillsdale College. But now that Disney has reopened the issue, we're not just gonna avoid the development agreement they tried to do, we're gonna look at things like taxes on the hotels, tolls on the roads, developing some of the property that the district owns. So, so just really get this, guys. This is just a couple days ago, in the last moments, before Disney was gonna be under this new regulation, they pass a bunch of these things to avoid what the government of Florida decided to do. Now let's go to Monday. Because on Monday, DeSantis did exactly what he said he was gonna do, which he's become quite good at. He says something and then he's going to do it. Uh, here he is announcing that uh, Disney is gonna to have to do everything that he said they were gonna to have to do. Uh, chapter 163, Section 3241 of the Florida Statutes uh, provides the legislature with the authority to revoke development agreements in this exact type of instance. And so I've worked with both uh, leaders of the House and Senate. Uh, there is a bill uh, that will be put out in the Florida legislature uh, that will make sure that the agreements purported to be entered into by Disney uh, are revoked and the people's will is established and is upheld. And that is something that's very important. And at the end of the day, we made the decision as a state, as a people, through the medium of our elections, uh, that we would not have one corporation uh, serving as its own government. Uh, that's not good government. Uh, and it's not something that we want to entertain in Florida any longer. And whatever rationale there was 60 years ago uh, to do that, clearly now we're in a much different era as a state. Guys, I really want to drive home the point that not only uh, is it not easy to go against Disney, like you all may be watching this going, okay, well, I don't like Disney because I don't like the woke stuff. I don't like that they were pushing gender ideology into the programming like he did the right thing. But first off, it's just not easy to do because of the amount of power and money and the amount of people that work for Disney here in Florida. Can you get the numbers on that? I think it's around 30,000 people, if I'm not mistaken, in the Orlando area work for Disney. So it was not an easy choice. But by doing the right thing, right, by actually fighting Disney and making sure that all they have to do is, is abide by the same laws that everyone else has to abide by, he then as you know, went from in 2018 winning by 30,000 votes to then winning by 1.6 million votes just a couple months back. 70,000 people in Orlando work for Disney. You know, you might find this interesting too. When I did uh, my show last June, so it's almost a year ago now, it was the last stop on our book tour, and we went and we did that massive sold out show at the theater in Orlando. Um, we did it in the, the belly of the beast, right? Because it was at the height of the don't say gay, which gay were, were gay wasn't in there and all that. I had many, many people come up to me after the show and say, Dave, you know, I work for Disney and, uh, you know, I, I don't want people to know that I'm here, but uh, we, we're with you. And I had many, many people that said that after the show. Disney, as a matter of fact, get this, they are the largest employer in Florida. So he took a massive risk here, much like Elon Musk is taking a massive risk to go against the media machine, to go against the Democrat party. But when you do the right thing, it becomes contagious. And by the way, much like Elon Musk is joking around about the diarrhea and <laughs> the New York Times, uh, DeSantis is joking around a bit about what he might do with some of that land that Disney purports to control because they don't control it anymore and the state might have better uses for it. If you look at this whole special district, Walt Disney Corporation obviously owns a lot of it, but the district owns other land. And you know, quite frankly, I wasn't even thinking about that land. Uh, this was not something that was really important one way or another. We just wanted them to live under the same rules, pay the debt, pay the taxes, all that stuff. Oh, but come to think of it, now people are like, well, there's, what should we do with this land? And so, you know, it's like, okay, kids, I mean, people have said, you know, maybe, maybe have a, another, uh, maybe create a state park, maybe try to do more amusement uh, parks. Uh, someone even said, like, maybe you need another state prison. Who knows? I mean, I just think that the, the possibilities are, 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 are endless. And so that is now going to be analyzed to see what would make, make the most sense. And, um, and that wasn't necessarily even on our, on the radar.
It's kind of hilarious, the idea of a state prison, like a Florida state penitentiary right next to Disneyland. It seems pretty effective, if you ask me, uh, but we shall see. But the point is, once again, guys, if, if you are, uh, you know, married to or have a brother or a cousin or just a friend who is confused by this, who thinks that DeSantis is being mean because Disney is good. Disney is Cinderella and Disney is the Little Mermaid and they are good guys. You must have them understand all he is doing is revoking special rights. And by the way, when I talk about the type of politician now, the type of conservative politician who will use government when it is effective to use it, that's what everyone's looking for. What people are not looking for is the type of politician who watches the culture wars move on them, right? And suddenly your kids are wondering about their gender identity and all of these things. And it's being pushed through cultural stuff that Disney is putting out there. And then you get answers like Mike Pence from a couple weeks ago. Remember that video from CNBC we showed you where they asked Mike Pence, well, do you think DeSantis is going a bit too far by revoking Disney's special access? And, and Mike Pence goes, yes, I'm a limited government guy. It's a bit much. If the government is not there to make sure we have an even playing field, then there is no purpose of the government, in which case we should all be anarchists. And I think there's probably a growing movement of that. Uh, but let's focus on the good here because this is not an anomaly. This moment with Disney, where Disney then at the last second tries to pull off this crazy thing uh, related to the king, right? Descendants from the king, like it's all complete nonsense. Disney has actually become the bad guy in a Disney movie. But fortunately in Disney movies, you don't get away with it, neither will they. Uh, but this is not an anomaly from DeSantis. This is actually a movement that is starting and it's spreading across the country. So let's give another example to add some teeth here. Uh, obviously the big controversy last week was that Bud Light, which once was known as the beer of frat guys and a bunch of people with funnels doing crazy stuff, uh, became the beer of the transgender movement, right? They decided to sponsor Dylan Mulvaney, who we believe has a penis, but I'm not gonna have anyone Google it today. You're welcome. Uh, and subsequently Bud Light through bad PR and through deciding we don't like our actual customers, we like the idea of this genderless customer, they've lost about seven billion with a B dollars in market share. Uh, and Team DeSantis over here is having a little fun with that, enjoy. The people also side with us on wanting to see an economy where businesses focus on their core missions rather than indulging in woke political activism. And what you see happening, and look, some of it's annoying, some of it they're virtue signaling, and it is grating, and honestly, I think, you know, what's going on here? You see Bud Light and doing all this stuff. But some of this stuff, I think, is really insidious. When you look at movements like ESG, environment, social governance, what they are trying to do is they're trying to hijack corporate power in order to advance an ideological agenda. Guys, his tone is just right there, right? That's actually the way I try to do the show. You know, when he's saying, that's eh, annoying and it's virtue signaling, right. Okay, so we can, we can mock it and we can, you know, call it out for what it is, but it's the insidious part that is the problem, right? It's not that Bud Light in and of itself working with this trans person who really is just a LARPing actor or actress or actor slash, slash actress. It's not that that is so important. But then once it culturally becomes the norm and then they have third grade teachers talking to students about transgenderism and all of this weird stuff and they hide it from parents, which then of course, uh, Governor DeSantis stopped with HB 1557, otherwise known as Don't Say Gay. Gay wasn't in the legislation at all. Um, you can see how it affects people's lives. And then you have some people who say enough is enough, and he happens to be one of those guys. Uh, he just yesterday was with uh, Benny Johnson. You know Benny Johnson, he's been on the show many times. Uh, and they were chatting about uh, the boycotts of Bud Light and where this could all lead. Bud Light, gotta get your take on the boycott. So you just brought up Anheuser-Busch. Bud Light's getting why, hit, why, hit as hard as I've ever seen it. Why would you wanna drink Bud Light? I mean, like, honestly, th that's like them rubbing our faces in it. And it's like these companies that do this, if they never have any response, they're just gonna keep doing it. So if you as a consumer are like, yeah, they're basically, and, and, and I mean, it's such a fraud with, with what they're doing with that. Like, yeah, they're doing that, but I'm just gonna keep drinking it anyways. Well, then they're just gonna keep doing it. So I think we have power as consumers 
to make our voice heard and not on every company because sometimes conservative uh, consumers aren't going to make a dent in some companies. This one is one, if you don't have conservative beer drinkers, you're going to feel that. And yeah. so, you know, I think it's a righteous, um, I think it's a righteous thing. You know, some of these controversies, they come up and people can kind of just say, oh, well, it's kind of a one-off, yeah, it was stupid to do. But it's part of a larger thing where corporate America uh, is trying to change our country. Yes. trying to change policy, trying to change culture. And, you know, I'd rather be governed by we the people than, than woke companies. And so I think pushback is in order across the board, including with Bud Light. Will we ever see you drinking a Bud Light again? No, I don't think so. Guys, do you see what I'm saying about how the, the political part of what's happening in America and the cultural part are connected? Again, it's not that important what beer you choose to drink, except if you keep funding the very things that are against the belief system that you have, they will keep moving on you. And then what is the norm today with this trans craziness will look like the good old days compared to the crazy stuff that they will be ushering in in 10 years. So look, as you know, I'm not a beer guy. I'm a tequila guy. However, there are many beers out there. Might I recommend a couple Florida beers for you? How about Florida Man beer? I've got a whole fridge stocked with it for our guests. We've got Key West beer. We've got Highlight beer, Havana Lager, La Rubia. I like that name. Uh, there are many Florida beers if you want to support the good companies of Florida. We've got Funky Buddha. There's a lot of beer out there. And why? It's not, also... Like, Connor, you're the, you're the beer guy right here. It's just not good, right? Is, is anyone drinking a Bud Light like, that's the best beer I've ever had. I don't know why I'm talking like this when I'm drinking beer. But like, it's known as not a great beer. That's why kids in college drink it because they don't have any money. So just goodbye. Sorry. Sorry, Anheuser-Busch. Sorry, Bud Light. You stepped in it. And we are going to push back, not only politically by electing the right people, but culturally by putting our money where our mouth is. So what is the message? that I'm trying to convey to you today and in case I haven't laid it on thick enough. The point is guys, we have options and we actually, for the first time, we have alternative solutions, okay? In the past two years, all of us, the freedom loving community, whatever that is, that broad conservative thing that I'm always talking about, I think we're starting to realize that when we go on the offense, the real offense, regardless of our political opinion, regardless of whether we agree exactly on the weeks on abortion or what the exact tax rate should be or whatever it might be, when we start going to the offense, not only can we win, we'll win politically like DeSantis crushing it in Florida, but then we will, we will spur other people to do the right thing. Elon Musk didn't buy Twitter just like he woke up one day and was like, I will solve that problem. He saw a problem bubbling. He saw what people were saying on Twitter. He saw the government overreach. Then he had to go to his banker and be like, hey, can we figure out 44 bill? That's gonna be tough. But then we start winning. And I really believe we can win the government. We can win the big tech fight. We can win the media fight. We can win the consumer economy fight. We, can, we actually can win all of it. So how do we do it? How, how do we do it now sort of politically? Now let's go purely to the political part of it. Well. Again, we're going to stick here in Florida for a moment because I think it's very obvious that this is the answer. So what has uh, DeSantis been doing for the last couple of days besides this? Uh, because it is a, a DeSantis-focused situation right now. Uh, here he is talking about what we all should be advancing right now. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the corporations. We fight the woke in the schools. We never, ever surrender to the woke mob. We have made Florida the state where woke goes to die. The woke mind virus represents a war on merit. It represents a war on achievement. It's a form of cultural Marxism that seeks to use identity politics to divide Americans. But perhaps most of all, the woke represents a war on the truth. And as a leader, I don't seek adulation. I don't seek any fanfare. Uh, all I seek is the pursuit of the truth. Okay, as you guys know, because we played a clip of that yesterday, that is Liberty University. It is the largest evangelical college in the United States. That is their Sunday convocation 
14,000 students in that room right there. Uh, I did a talk there uh, right before COVID. It was one of the most incredible events that I've ever been part of. Uh, I am not thought of as someone that might be welcomed with open arms in a traditional line of thinking with evangelicals, uh, a gay married man who's begrudgingly pro-choice, but I talked about all of that and I got nothing but love from those people. And many of those students afterwards who came up to me and said, hi, I said, Dave, I have some differences with you, but thank you for coming here. Thank you for sharing your feelings. So when DeSantis goes there and talks about how the woke are fighting truth, uh, they hear that. They hear that and I think you hear it. And it doesn't, and, and that's the point, that evangelicals can be now on the same side as the disaffected liberal and the libertarian. This is the big political movement that could include somebody like Ron DeSantis, that could include someone like me, someone like Elon Musk, someone like the average evangelical Christian, and it makes sense. It's actually not that hard to piece together. So this is the driving thesis of what we're trying to do right now, because now I can see the political movement, right? We've all been trying to put these pieces together. But this is what we should all be putting together. It is the fight for truth and for freedom. Now, I want to contrast that a little bit. And I know some people are not going to be happy with me. But that's what DeSantis has been doing for the last couple of days, right? He's been fighting and making sure that uh, Disney does not skirt the, the laws of Florida. And he's going to an evangelical college to talk about truth. Uh, here's what Donald Trump was doing yesterday on Truth Social. Since leaving Washington, I haven't heard much about Liddy Mick Mulvaney, perhaps the dumbest person, along with John Bolton, working at the White House. He was acting chief of staff because I never would have named him to the permanent position, merely a backbencher who once gave a news conference that was legendarily bad. He is now with CBS Fake News and should be grateful to the man who made him famous. This guy was uncharismatic, a born loser. No wonder why they have no ratings, exclamation point. Uh, Trump hired Mick Mulvaney. Trump also hired John Bolton. Uh, but you see what I'm trying to show you guys. We can get to the new world. He can't get us there. He can't get us there. Look, he might be the nominee. And if he is the nominee, I'll support him because I'll support any Republican truly over a Democrat, obviously. But do you see, if, if, if you are willing to see it, the new world is trying to be born right now. And unfortunately, Trump is not of the new world. Who cares about that nonsense? Are you trying to tell us you're so great because you hire morons? What are you, what are you telling us? Really, and that is the fundamental difference. There is someone doing the work right now. It is what we have been asking for. What do I keep saying? We want clarity, we want competency, and we want communication. And I think we have it, I think we have it. So is that what you wanna be part of? Clarity, competency, competency and communication? Or do you wanna be part of, of crazy posts on Truth Social? Making fun of people that you, you hired, right? Okay, so who else? guys, has taken charge by disregarding public opinion, going on offense, chasing virtue, and absolutely not given any flying Fs? Well, we'll get you back to the beginning of the show. It's that Elon Musk guy. Let's go back uh, to that interview with Tucker Carlson. Here he is talking about how he's going to protect your digital identity because one of the things that he found out is that the government actually was able to look at your DMs. That's right, the government could look at your private messages, so he's gonna figure out a way to encrypt that so even he will not be able to read your private messages. You can see what it is, and you can yes. see what they've been doing, and you can see who's been working there. You, you were shocked to find out that various intel agencies were affecting its operations? Uh, the, the, the degree to which uh, various government agencies had effectively had full access to everything that was going on on Twitter uh, blew my mind. Um, I was not aware of that. Would that include people's DMs? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, because the DMs are not encrypted. So one of the first, you know, one of the things that we're about to release uh, is the ability to encrypt your DMs. That's pretty heavy duty, though, because a lot of well-known people, reporters talking to their sources, government officials, the richest people yeah. in the world, sure. they're DMing each other. And the assumption, obviously, it was incorrect, but was that that's private, but that was being read by various governments? Uh, yeah, that seems to be, yes. It's scary. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, so, um, like I said, we're moving to um, have the DMs be optionally encrypted. I mean, you know, there's like a lot of DM conversations which are, you know, just chatting with friends. It's For sure. not, not, not important. Of course. Um, 
that's hopefully coming out later this month, uh, but no later than next month, uh, is the ability to toggle encryption on or, on or off. So if you, if you ha- are in a conversation you think is sensitive, you can just toggle encryption on, and then no one on Twitter can see wh- what you're talking about. They, they could put a gun to my head, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell. I couldn't, uh, the, 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 that's sort of the gun to the head test. If, if somebody puts a gun to my head, and I, can I still not uh, see your DMs? That should be, that's the acid test. Yes. Okay, so it's worth noting a little bit of the technical part of what he's talking about there. When you have end-to-end encryption, that is me sending, say, Phoenix a message. We have end-to-end encryption. No middleman can decipher what that message said. Now, it doesn't mean we're doing anything illegal. We're usually talking about what we're going to do on the show, which I assume will be deemed illegal in about 10 years if we lose this fight. But the point is you want to be able to communicate with who you want to communicate with about whatever the hell you want to be able to communicate about without anyone else being there. So Elon is saying we will encrypt these messages so I will have literally no way, gun to my head, of of uncovering that information, right? I would say the second he rolls this thing out, everyone should have all their conversations be encrypted. Why? Even if you're talking about nothing, if you're talking about Beanie Babies, is that a, that's a hot reference these days, right? Beanie Babies. Even if you're talking about Beanie Babies, why should anyone at Twitter or the government be able to know what you're saying about Beanie Babies and how you've wasted the family fortune on Beanie Babies? Okay, I think you see the point. Uh, let's go a little further with this uh, because what this all really is about is that Elon Musk, once again, the world's richest man, is saying, I see the problem. It's very much the same problem that DeSantis has been talking about. And I am going to do everything possible to push back against the deep state and the government and the entire machine that is, it, that is seemingly coming for all of us. And that's how, that's, that's how it should be if you want your... Have you had complaints from various governments about doing this? I haven't had direct complaints to me. I've had sort of like some indirect complaints. I think people are a little concerned about complaining to me directly in case I tweet about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> they're like, uh-oh. Uh, so they sort of tend to be more roundabout than that. You know, I mean, if, if, if I got something that was uh, unconstitutional from the U.S. government, I would say, my reply would be to send them a copy of the you know, First Amendment and just say, like, uh, what part of this are we getting wrong? <laughs> Do you see why the machine freaked out when this guy said he was going to buy Twitter? Why the board of Twitter tried to stop him from buying Twitter? because it had very little to do with being a profitable company. Twitter was purging money, but there was another value in Twitter. The other value in Twitter for big tech was your data and for the government was what you were talking about. And they wanted to make sure that they were not gonna sell the company to him. And then thank God, I mean, it really is a beautiful thing. You have to understand this. The board, when Elon came in and said, we will buy Twitter at a premium, a price that this thing is not worth because it's not a profitable company. I will pay you a premium on this. The board said no. But eventually the shareholders were like, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. I invested in this company. You've got Elon Musk, the richest guy in the world, willing to buy this freaking thing at a premium and you're not gonna sell to him. Why not? Don't you have a fiduciary responsibility to us, the shareholder? So eventually they begrudgingly did it, but now you see why they were so against selling to him because this is the front line in the war against their censorship. He's telling everybody, he's, he's putting a warning shot out there. Hey. Government, next time you contact me uh, so that, you know, if COVID-7 comes around and you want me to silence, you know, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya or, or, or Brett Weinstein or somebody else, uh, I'm going to send you back a picture of the uh, Bill of Rights. How about that? How about that? So do you see why they didn't want him to have it? And do you see why Mark Zuckerberg, who has Facebook, wants to keep the control going? I think you do because you're bright. It's a rhetorical question. So let's do some bigger picture stuff. How are we going to crush the machine Uh, right this moment and into the future? Well, a little freedom of speech, a little even playing field, a little honest uh, interaction between the people without algorithmic manipulation might have a little something to do with it. Musk talked about that as it relates to the next election. I'm just saying, but you're kind of exposed in your other businesses. So this is, uh, just in case our viewers aren't following this, this is not, you're not just like a journalist taking a stand on behalf of the First Amendment. You're a guy with big government contracts giving the finger to the government. Do you think um, Twitter will be as central to this presidential campaign as it was in the last several? I think it will play a significant role in elections, not just domestically, but internationally. The goal of new Twitter is to be um, 
as fair and even-handed as possible. Uh, so not favoring any political uh, ideology, uh, but uh, just um, yeah, be, being being uh, being fair at all. What is uh, Does Elon Musk strike you as an extremist? Does he strike you as a right-wing maniac? Hey guys, I'd like to uh, make this thing kind of fair. We're not going to favor anybody. We're going to do as much honest assessment. Uh, when it comes to information and political ideology as possible. Now, he hasn't accomplished all of that. I still have my own frustrations with Twitter. I still think the algorithm's a little screwy. The, the For You tab is out of whack. Okay, fine. But the guy is clearly trying to do the right thing. And just look, if you look at from the time that he got Twitter, or even if you look at the two, three weeks, maybe even month or so, before he got Twitter to today, look at the press that this guy gets from the mainstream, that he's far right, he's in bed with white supremacists. Let's not forget, by the way, he's African-American from South Africa. So they're treating an African-American rather poorly. Uh, you know, that uh, Twitter, suddenly everyone started freaking out that Twitter had a child porn problem which it does have a problem, he's now doing something about it. The same people who never wrote articles about Twitter child porn problem before Elon, never wrote about it once, suddenly when Elon took over, Twitter is a massive child porn problem. They lie about everything and they are freaking out that they have lost control of, of perhaps the most important app related to how we all communicate with each other. That is not me telling you to get on Twitter, it really is not, because if you're not on there, I don't think wasting any more time on these things is worth it. Um, but we have a little, we have a little nugget now that we can do something with that maybe a little seed, let's say that maybe we can put into the ground. And if we water properly and we make sure it gets the, the right nutrients that it could grow into something really great. So what do we have to do guys? We have to pillage and colonize the old systems, take what is good. And there is some good stuff there and now bring it into the new world, build new systems. How about, how about we build an empire Maybe an empire of freedom? How does that sound? There's gotta be a video game called Empire of Freedom. There must be, right? Sounds like something. But guys, I'm telling you, we can do it. Whether it's Elon Musk, whether it's Ron DeSantis, whether it's Tucker Carlson, whether it's me, whether it's you, there is this wide thing happening, but we gotta let the old things go. It, it's just the truth. But if you don't agree with me, I'd like to hear from you. Why don't you join us in live chat? in about a minute from now at rumble.com, no, at rubenreport.locals.com, but I hope you subscribe at rumble.com slash rubenreport. By the way, my full interview with Richard Dreyfuss, legendary Oscar-winning actor Richard Dreyfuss, who, who is far more interested in talking about civics and education than anything related to acting. Uh, part one is up right now, the full thing's up at Locals. Uh, we leave you with a cold close with that Elon Musk guy, and we will see everybody on Locals in just about a minute. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.